3: Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is The Edge with Jonathan Tobel and Matt Humans on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. What up, folks? Welcome into another edition of The Edge, and we are whole yet again. Matt Humans back from a little hiatus as well. A late
2: happy birthday to Matt. What are you, 40? <laughs> yeah. 40? 40. That's what I thought. That sounds right, good. So uh, I guess. Let's roll with that. All right, all right. Uh, Hank Goldberg passed away yesterday on the yep. 4th of July. He was also born on July 4th. How about that? And uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Hank later in the show today. A legend in the, the sports handicapping industry. He was doing this uh, a long time ago. And, you know, he's in the class with Brent Musburger and the guys who were talking about sports betting on TV before it was okay to talk about sports betting on TV, so... Um. Rest in peace, Hank Goldberg. We'll talk to one of his closest friends on today's show, Chuck Esposito, the Red Rock Sportsbook Director.
3: Yeah, he's coming up at 4.30 p.m. Eastern for those of you who are out there on the East Coast, so make sure you stick around. He'll be up in about 29 minutes. Also, a little bit of football, some props up over at uh, Red Rock and Station Casinos that we can discuss when it comes to the National Football League. Now, speaking of football, that's where we're going to open up here today. Not National Football League, but uh, it is a national story. The Big 12, and in its attempt, Matt Humans, to maintain its position as a power conference, looks like it is going to expand and they're going to poach, potentially, it's not official yet, some of the teams from the Pac-12. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah mentioned specifically as teams being targeted by the Big 12. There's also consideration of adding Oregon and Washington to make the Big 12 at 18-team league. This is from a report courtesy of one Dennis Dodd over at CBS
2: Sports. Yeah, it looks like uh, we were talking about this with Mike Pritchard when he wrapped up the previous show, and it's college sports is in chaos right now. And the NIL deals are a little bit out of control with some of these uh, college athletes getting $9 million uh, endorsement deals, driving uh, $200,000 cars. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, kind of ridiculous what's happened. I'm all for players getting paid, but there's got to be some sort of control uh, controls in the system. But as far as uh, the conference realignment, I do think we're headed to three super conferences. Mm-hmm. And the Big Ten, the SEC, and it looks like the Big 12 might be the one to emerge, is the, Pac-12, uh, is the Pac-12 going to completely implode? Is there going to be a Pac-12, a conference of champions, when this is all said and done? Because I agree. I think the Arizona schools are really valuable mm-hmm. pieces in the chess game. I don't think some people realize how big those markets are. No, oh, the yeah. Phoenix market's huge. Yeah. You know, in Arizona, Arizona State got quality programs, and that's a big TV market. Uh, what's going to happen to Colorado, Utah? I still think Oregon's got a lot of uh, pull and attraction, Washington in the Seattle market. Uh, How many of those schools are going to end up in the Big 12? And then you look at what's the Big 10's next move going to be. Obviously, the Big 10 wants Notre Dame. And Stanford might follow. Who knows uh, what's going to happen there? Clemson, Miami, those are power programs that probably the SEC is looking to post from the ACC. Uh, So I think what we're going to end up with when all is said and done is three super conferences. And it looks like in the game of musical chairs, the Pac-12 is going to be left out. And the ACC might be in big trouble too. We might actually get to the point where the ACC's got nothing left but a few spare parts that are good basketball schools. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen as far as that goes. Will the Mountain West morph into the Pac-12? If if the Pac-12 wants to stay alive and continue to breathe, will Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, the teams are left over and uh, golf, like San Diego State, UNLV, Boise, Boise State, State, State yep. uh, pieces Utah like that. State I think it's yep. fascinating. You know, you and I right now are working on the college football betting guide for VSN, which is going to be out uh, later this month. And I'm uh, doing my previews on the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Obviously, the handicap you have for this college football season doesn't change because what's going on right. now. But when you look at what's going to happen. To the future of college sports, things are getting turned upside down. Yes, uh, I, I am.
3: I'm with you. I find this fascinating. Where all the pieces ultimately end up, I think if you would ask me, like uh, about what has it been a year already since Texas and Oklahoma have yeah. said that they're going to leave, mm-hmm. uh, that the Big Twelve would potentially be the one that is still standing, not the ACC. Right. I think right. that is something that if the Big Twelve can pull this off, it would be pretty interesting. On the surface, it looks like it'd be one of the weaker of the three power conferences, right. but we'll see if that's going to be the case. But um, yeah, and the Pac-12 seems destined to from power five to group of you know whatever <laughs> right after these three super leagues are formed so it's also should point out as part of this report again from dennis Dodd up at cbs sports uh one big Tor- uh, 12 source said everything is on the table and what he means by everything is that a merger of the big 12 and pac-12 in some form is also a possibility what do you call the conference
2: I think it's like the, the big, big pack. Yeah, it was, well, yeah, the pack of eight, <laughs> I don't eighteen pack. You call it that? I don't know what you call it. <laughs> it's something there. So that's the latest news. You know it, who's going to get North Carolina, Duke, Miami, Clemson?
3: Because those are still, I think those are, in terms of basketball,
2: obviously. But there is some, there is some value to them as football programs too. Yeah, I unfortunately, basketball is just completely an afterthought in this right. whole thing. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I've said several times, being a Big Ten guy, I think the Big Ten should consider Kansas. Mm-hmm. And Kansas would be a great addition to the Big Ten as a basketball program. But people just like, oh, no, you don't <laughs> want Kansas. Their football program's complete crap. Mm-hmm. But why is it all about football? I understand that the money is going to drive everything, but can't you put together a great conference and also include some, some basketball powerhouses? And that's the thing about Arizona I think makes valuable um, – the school in Tucson is uh you got a great basketball school down there. It's right now it's a it's a pitiful football program, mm-hmm. kind of in the league with Kansas. But I still think Arizona and Kansas are teams that have value or are programs that have value uh because they are such great basketball schools. And I wouldn't completely overlook that fact. Um and also, you still got to have a couple of bad football programs in each conference. You got to have a couple teams that people can beat up on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh Kansas and Arizona, I think, first of all, the Big Ten is going to be powerful enough with all the pieces that it has now that it's not going to change the dollars of the TV contract much if you add Kansas or Stanford or, you know, a school like Arizona. Anyway, I think the the whole thing, I say it's it's chaos, but it's fascinating. It's a little bit disappointing to me as well because— College sports as we knew it is never going to be the same. No, it's
3: not. And um, we should also – it's funny. that we were talking about this and the Pac-12 potentially just falling apart now uh, as we're watching it happen. And we always used to make the jokes about the Pac-12 network and how shot mm-hmm. of they run that this has yeah. been for a while now. And it looks like uh, they are going to suffer for it. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. And also noted in Dodd's piece that part of the reason why these four schools would extend the Big 12 further in the mountain zone, uh,
2: creating travel partners for incoming member BYU while also adding a rival for the Cougars and the Utes. Yeah, so we'll I've always thought BYU has a lot of value. Yeah. to a conference and I still think Boise State has more than, than people realize. And oh yeah. also, what about UNLV? Okay? because UNLV now has an NFL stadium for his football program. Yeah, the football program stinks and it's been bad for a long time. But the basketball program's been pretty good and you got you've got a big time basketball arena, They've got an NFL football stadium. They got great, UNLV's got great facilities, and you could say, well, maybe it's not a school the caliber of the Pac 12. I think UNLV is actually an underrated school. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, why is the Las Vegas market? Not appealing to another conference. I, I think it's expanding. yeah, it's growing and getting big, and kind of uh, it's following the growth pattern of Phoenix. Why is Las Vegas not a more attractive TV market? I think it should be. I agree. I agree. So again, to bring it back full circle,
3: the report: Big Twelve deep discussions to add up to six pac twelve teams after USC UCLA have deflected or defected, I should uh, to the Big Ten. With that, it is not the Fourth of July; it is the Fifth of July. But we still have baseball, and we still have a lot of baseball to discuss. And we've got four games that I think are front and center that we wanted to talk uh, to talk about. One that's going to get started in a couple of minutes. We'll just hit on very quickly. Uh, we are going to see Seattle and San Diego go at it. Mike Clevenger is going to get the start here for the Padres. Uh, the Padres did not fare so well yesterday. Mm-hmm. Sham and I got lit up. They are a dollar thirty dollar thirty five
2: favorite against Logan Gilbert and the Seattle Mariners in this spot at home for the friars. Logan Gilbert is all he does is win. He's <laughs> uh, nine and three this season. The Mariners usually win when he takes the mound. Uh, plus one twenty one is the current price at the South Point. I'm just not sure. You and I, I think, talked about Clevenger recently. You don't know what you're going to get from him. He's pitched only 29 innings mm-hmm. uh, this season. I'm I I starting to get to the, the feeling that the Padres are kind of coming apart at the seams. It's uh, Manny Machado since he come back, uh, since he came back from the injury, as uh, has not been as hot with the bat. I think the absence of Fernando Tatis Jr. is starting to take a toll. Well, their lineup's definitely average at best. When you're counting on guys like Luke Voigt and Trent Grisham to come through uh, that can only carry you so far. I kind of feel like the Padres might be getting into the territory and we've seen it maybe in the past week or two where, uh, they're going to be a fade. I think the Padres might be a fade, and they got beat up yesterday. I'm, I'm not going to lay a price with the Padres. That's the bottom line here. Yeah, you might get a better performance uh, than
3: Shamanaya put forth from Clevenger. Uh, Clevenger's been okay. He's been rock solid. But there's some numbers that indicate maybe there is some regression, but it's not big. 279 ERA, 335. It's uh, fielding independent for Clevenger, who's put together some pretty solid starts. Outside of that, we should also hit on really quickly, um, Sandy Alcantara is going to get the start here for the Miami Marlins. They're forty five favorite. Marlins have been winning left and right. I believe they're up to five consecutive games now, might be six, and they're playing host to Noah Syndergaard and the Angels. Up to dollar fifty over at the Golden Nugget, and actually fifty-five at a couple of other spots here. Uh, this is interesting because this Angels lineup has had a little bit of a problem with strikeouts lately, mm-hmm. and now you get a guy like Sandy on the hill who should be able to feast on a lineup that has been very much famine for a really long time. But Phil Nevin thinks everything's okay. You'd rather you'd rather not ground into double plays, Matt.
2: Yeah, the Angels uh, started to come part of the seems a long time ago. Yes. How about this? Over their last 37 games – Angels are ten and twenty-seven. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's and over, they, and they it's get the
3: little things. They win a series against the White Sox, for example. They're like four games under five hundred. It's like the best they've been in a while, and then they get just absolutely destroyed by the Houston Astros, and they've mm-hmm. got nothing. You got Mike Trout getting pissed in the outfield because one of his relief pitchers is tipping his pitches, and he's trying to tell him what's going on. Uh-huh. Uh, it seems to be a nightmare. And Syndergaard, as we have mentioned, uh, the home road splits for him have not been uh, the best when he pitches away from home. Uh, if you look at it, average against three hundred six ERA six fifty three compared to two sixty two the advanced metrics painted a similar picture as well. Uh, it is not a situation which I would look to back a lineup that would have trouble here and a pitcher that has had trouble on the road.
2: Right. Yeah, clear pitching edge for the Marlins, and uh, this would be my best bet in baseball today, even though the number's gone up a little bit since the overnight Marlins minus 145. I like that play tonight. Okay, save
3: it for next week, all right? Save it for next week. we got something coming down the pike.
2: All right, uh, we have plenty left to get to. More in baseball, too. The two New, uh, New York teams, of
3: course, uh, in action. Yankees, not in action on the 4th of July. A travesty. Yeah, that We'll have more on that and a little on the NBA as the odds are evolving where Kevin Durant will end up next.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Edge
0: on vSEN, the sports betting network.
2: All right, the V-CIN summer special is here. For only $19, you get everything vSEN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today. And you'll get vCin's daily best bets, including Adam Burks on baseball, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, NASCAR, and more. If you want the full vCyn experience, which features a daily Best Bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly. Use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vCN.com slash summer. So I uh, just recently had some time
3: off, and at one point... I Two was, weeks, man. I mean, that's it for the rest of the... Until next... <laughs> until it. after the next NBA season is over. Um, and, you know, I was watching baseball, and I wrote down something, because I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I have been forgetting to bring this up for a really long time now. One of my favorite things at the beginning of the year, Matt Santos, who works behind the desk, and, or excuse me, behind the glass, and you, who sits right next to me, mm-hmm. uh, both Matts, big Yankees fans, who, three games into the Major League Baseball season, you would think that the New York Yankees were absolute garbage, <laughs> trash, season was over, and that everything was falling apart.
2: Oh, Garrett Cole was falling apart. <laughs> he, was, he was blaming Billy Crystal for his bad That's right. bad start on opening That's, day. Uh, uh, that
3: start, I got thrown off. It was three minutes. I, I totally messed with my feng shui. <laughs> um, well, now they're 58-22, and 22, and it seems like everything is going to be perfectly fine. I was looking at the standings. I was like, Jesus, they are 13 and a half games up on the Red Sox in that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yankees are pretty damn good, and it's why they are well over $2. Well, some spots over $2. They are flat $2 at a couple of others with Jamison Tyon on the hill opposing the Pittsburgh Pirates and Jose Quintana. Pirates plucky, though.
2: Split a four-game set with the Brewers over the weekend. Uh-huh. So, hey, The, the so. Pirates and Spurts have played pretty good baseball. Don't yep. forget in late May when they went to L.A. and swept the Dodgers. I, I think that had to open your eyes and say, hey, this team's got some talent. They're not a, a joke anymore, not just a punchline. You're talking about the Yankees. Why have they overachieved? It's pitching. JVT. Pitch been fantastic. Pitching's been incredible. Did you, did you expect Jamison Tyon to be 9-1 and one at this point with his numbers? He's got a three thirty two ERA, one fifteen whip. His numbers are not outstanding necessarily across the board, but he's been a, uh, a starter that the Yankees can count on, and that's that's the key. you got to have guys you trot out there every fifth day and you know they're going to give you a quality start. Tyon's done that, nasty Nestor Cortez, yep. and you just look up and down the Yankees' rotation – And uh, it's been, I I think, uh, guys who have exceeded expectations. Garrett Cole has not exceeded expectations, certainly not mine. Uh, But he has, I think, stabilized things a little bit after that rocky start in Minnesota where he got rocked for five home runs. Even in his last start, he gave up back-to-back homers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Cole, I still think, serves up too many uh, meatballs. But he is... uh, he is the anchor of a rotation right now that is the best in baseball. And that's why a big reason the Yankees are 58 and 22. The other reason has a lot to do with Aaron Judge and that he got off to a slow start. Through 10 games, the Yankees were 5 and 5. Yeah. And Judge was not really hitting. And since then, mm-hmm. he has caught fire. And he's basically been, if it's not Shohei Otani, it's Aaron Judge who's MVP. Now, nah, or Shohei Otani, I thought was garbage thought he was not very good. Uh, we won't go down that road. That's sarcasm, by the yeah, way. If yeah, so you, you say that, some people might not realize that you're being some sarcastic. Like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Preach,
3: brother. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hose and Quintana, two on the other end, because there's been like a
3: 20-cent bump, right? Some spots open, minus 220 in favor of the Yankees. We're down to two bucks, and we should give Quintana some credit. Uh, Quintana is pitching pretty well. Uh, over 76 innings of work, 343 ERA, 357 fielding independent. Uh, he is not striking out a high number of guys, but he is doing uh, quality yeoman's work, if you will, striking about eight every nine innings uh, not giving up a ton of hard contact which is some of the problems in his last few seasons last in Chicago with the Angels as well hard hit rate of 36.8 uh, percent and inducing ground balls at a pretty solid rate so Quintana's done a pretty good job here for the Pirates and I think that's why you've at least seen 20 cent bump back in favor it's
2: just gonna be a pretty interesting series yep. in Pittsburgh i, I I think the Pirates actually should be live dogs in this game. I like Quintana. I think he's pitched pretty. I'm surprised he's only got one win mm-hmm. on the season. He's pitched better than that. It's going to be intriguing to watch this, too, because O'Neill Cruz is, uh, has been so hyped as a rookie shortstop. And uh, what he's done, he's kind of electrified, I think, uh, Pirates – baseball since he's come up. Can't wait to trade him in four years. Yeah, I was going to say, you've got to have something to look forward to. <laughs> four years? Until, uh, until he becomes a Yankee.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we should also the, uh, the also note the, the move here opened um, on the total, eight and a half, shaded to the under,
2: minus 115. Now we're at nine, shaded to the under at minus 115. I feel like betting the Pirates in this series. I, I don't know if I'm going to do it tonight, but uh, you're going to get some big plus prices on a team that I think is, uh, that should be live. All right, what do you do with the New York Metropolitans
3: and Max Scherzer getting the start here today, opposing the Cincinnati Reds? Scherzer opened up $1.85 on the road. We're up to minus 210, plus 185, coming back on Lodolo
2: and the Reds. Well, it's interesting, because if you handicap the uh, Angels-Marlins game, I think you know Sandy Alcantara is going to go deep into the game, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty good chance you're going to get... Into at least into the seventh inning from him. I don't know what you get from Max Scherzer here. What's your best guess? Uh, I would say, knowing the Mets, they probably, in, given the fact that these injuries have been an issue for them,
3: I don't think you're letting them go pretty long here. I, I think you're yeah. you're on a solid pitch count
2: of what do so, you say fifty-ish, sixty pitches. I was going to say he, you might get five innings. Yeah, Mad Max doesn't like to leave a game early. I think he, he wants to go out there and throw a solid five. If you're going to bet the Mets here, you've got to do it first five, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, but you're also going to be learning yeah. quite the price. You're, you're, paying, you're paying extra. Yep. I'm not going to yeah. bet this game.
3: I, I think I would rather sit back and leave an opportunity on the table. If you really think yeah. that the Mets are in a good spot here, there's a little too many unknowns in terms of Scherzer and how mm-hmm. he's going to look, how right. he'll feel. Uh, we've seen before, too. He does seem healthy, and I think he's going to be fine. But we've also seen these guys come back from injury just kind of working their way out and right. feeling it out. So I think there's better spots than to lay over $2 with a dude coming back no, from injury. No doubt about
2: it. Uh, the, of the four games we've talked about so far, if I had to make two bets, let's say we're going to have some sort of contest at b okay. between the shows. And if I was going to specify you had to bet on a pitcher, that no. I would lay the price with Marlins, I would take the price with the Pirates so far. So if you had
3: to make a bet on the next home of Kevin Durant then, Mm -hmm. where would you go? Because the market is starting to shift a little bit. There was a a global shop that has been hanging up these odds consistently, Matt, and we have had a shift. The Toronto Raptors, who were steadily climbing up some boards uh, stateside, and I can't really find any stateside. I think a lot of them have been taken down. I think a lot of people might be gun-shy after the information... Whatever you call it, with Palo Bencaro mm-hmm. at the top of the NBA draft. Updated odds via one global shop. Phoenix Suns plus one ninety, Miami Heat plus four fifty, Brooklyn Nets plus five fifty, as are the Toronto Raptors, Lakers nine to one, Warriors fifteen to one
2: to land one Kevin Durant. Well, I think you're the one that should answer this question because you probably studied it a little bit more. I, I would like to see Kevin Durant land with the Heat. Yeah. They're your team. That's right. I think that he could be a championship type team with, oh, uh, of course, with the thin man, him, Jimmy
3: Butler, and uh, Bam Adebayo. bio would be a really good core. The thin Reaper, they, oh, the Slim Reaper is, uh, yeah, the nickname. He doesn't like it though, which I don't oh, know no, why. It's like One of the, the best nicknames I've ever heard. The Slim Reaper. I don't know
2: if you put, you put uh, Jimmy Butler and you can save some of those pieces around him and put KD. I think the you got a great thing going in Miami. Yeah, it's the East is very competitive right now. You look at the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Heat, you got four, I think, elite teams there at the top of the East. Hawks are going to be a pain in the ass. The I don't Hawks think are they're going a to title be pretender, but, I, yeah, they're going to be better. I think the Hawks have actually made some really good moves. They're going to be – uh, in that second-tier conversation, in the uh, when you talk about the best teams in the East, so I, um, William Hill out here in Las Vegas, kind of fell
3: asleep a little bit in terms of like all the other shops adjusting their odds and uh, a little late on the pickup. So I bet Toronto a really small bet on him at fifty to one to win the NBA Finals mm-hmm. it, because I think out of all of these, the way that I've been looking at this is like which good team? Because if you really think about it, if the Brooklyn Nets want the best package, they're calling like Oklahoma City. Right, because Oklahoma City's got everything. Yeah. They've got players, they've got draft assets, but that's not going to happen. Neither team wants to make that deal happen. But if you're looking at some of the good teams that have the assets and the potential pieces to move. I mean, the top of the list, is Toronto. Toronto's got Scotty Bar- Barnes, who they've reportedly been warming up to the idea of shipping him off. On the other side, Kevin Durant's been warming up to the idea, reportedly, to playing in Toronto. It's a really well-run organization, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like Miami, Since they, especially around that time when they won that title. Nick Nurse is one of the best head coaches in the NBA. They have a track record of drafting, developing, being a solid franchise. Over the course of four years, if they get him, Masai Ujiri can come into that room and convince a Kevin Durant, I think, to stick around for four years and buy into a really good franchise. So uh, that's, that's I, my best guess.
2: I, I, like the, I like that thought process, and I think it's logical that he could end up with the Raptors. Yeah. But that, that has been losing steam, though, in the last couple days, right? Yeah, it went from 250 to 550 and yeah. so and Miami is now the
3: second choice. And Look, these are all still plus prices. The Suns, though, and that's the same thing with the Suns, is you know, they don't really have a lot, and they're hoping. It, that's the weird thing is DeAndre Ayton can screw the whole thing for Phoenix if he wants to just go sign a deal somewhere because he's theoretically would be part of a package. So uh, I I think still it would be Toronto. It makes a lot of sense. You're hearing all of a sudden Golden State, the rumblings are starting to pick up a little bit more. I mean, they have the great package to offer the uh, Brooklyn Nets in terms <laughs> of young pieces and draft capital. How would you like that?
2: I don't know. Can we we really make it work with Draymond Green and KD? I
3: would just like it. I would like it. So I I
2: think the second part of the conversation is where's Kyrie end up, and uh, do you think there's a decent chance it's going to be the Lakers?
3: Yeah, I think so. It seems pretty – like they have a contract to match and all that stuff, and it seems the Nets are pretty – I think that what seems, if you read reports, it seems the sticking point is are they going to be able to get that second first-round pick from
2: the Los Angeles Lakers because they have control of two now at this point. They're going to have to give it up. Yeah. They're giving it up. By so, the way, we're going to be out at the NBA Summer League this week, right? Yes, we are. Thursday
3: and Friday, and then a special edition of Hardwood Handicappers on Sunday. So that's going to be a lot of fun, talking to a lot of people out there. Summer League's a great time. I love going out to the Summer League. All right, we'll come back. Uh, let's talk with Chuck Esposito, Red Rock Sportsbook Director. We'll talk a little National Football League, some props that are up, up at Station Casinos around Las Vegas.
6: This is The Edge on VSN, the
3: sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. In our weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 or only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly, please.
2: All right. Sad news on July 4th. Uh, longtime time ESPN horse racing analyst and NFL uh, handicapper Hank the Hammer Goldberg died on his 82nd birthday, born on July 4th, died on the same day at his home in Las Vegas. Long battle with chronic kidney disease. And uh, the hammer was a good friend uh, to me and especially to Chuck Esposito, who's one of the closest uh, guys I know with the hammer. And uh, Chuck, this hit you hard yesterday. I know you had a chance to uh, see Hank last week. And uh, uh, just tell us a little bit about your relationship and what you remember most about Hank Goldberg. Uh,
6: Thanks, Matt. Yeah, it it did. We've been friends for a really long time. And... uh, um, I knew that he was going through a, a very difficult time right now, and uh, didn't know exactly, you know, how much longer he'd have. But it was a uh, it was a great opportunity last week that we got together and um, we chatted about, you know, some of the great stories and times together and stuff in sports. Um, and it was a lot of fun to actually be able to reminisce a little bit with the Hammer. i um, been friends for over 20 years. It really started you know, toward the tail end of my uh, career at the Superbook and then really uh, took off when I took over the Caesars uh, network of books where um, ESPN and Caesars, we were doing a lot of things back then, and Hammer was coming out to do his uh, Super Bowl picks. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this many times where kind of the most famous one and the segment that ESPN runs frequently is Hammer being carried out by the Centurion guards and the Cleopatra girls fanning him and feeding him grapes and setting him down in the book. And there I am just standing there with the mic in a suit and I look over at him and I'm like, Hammer, who's your Super Bowl pick? And I think that just kind of showed how how big he was and how popular he was. And being a, a young guy in the industry and somebody who really loved the the marketing and, and PR end of it, uh, having a close relationship with uh, a legend like the Hammer, and having him kind of take me under his wing and always be willing to be part of anything that we did. And a big, you know, we were close friends, and he was also a close friend of Station Casinos, as we did a, a number of our uh, kickoff to football, our uh, tip off to the tourney our Kentucky Derby Breeders' Cup seminar, uh, and they always included the Hammer, and he was clearly always one of the most popular guys we had kind of speaking at those events.
2: Chuck Esposito, Red Rock, race and sportsbook director with us, and uh, Hammer was kind of an understudy of Jimmy the Greek Snyder. I I was saying he's a pioneer in this business in a way, Chuck, and that he's one of the first guys to be on network TV talking football handicapping before it was cool to talk about sports betting on TV. And the the Hammer, Brent Musburger, Jimmy the Greek, guys like that in that same class. And uh, I, I think you have a lot of respect for all of those guys, right?
6: Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, being a young guy who who loved sports and getting into this industry, Matt, and having, you know, these guys kind of bring it to the forefront and talk about it more, making it more mainstream, and especially for the Hammer now and Brent, as it got more and more popular and and stuff that people was talking about on a daily basis, uh, having these guys really have that forum to kind of talk about it uh, was tremendous. And ultimate respect for these guys, and and they definitely helped pave the way for, I think, some of the the popularity and growth in, in sports betting without without being directly in the gaming business.
2: Uh, Hank Goldberg was a guest on uh, this show many mm-hmm. times, and uh, we had him on on our first weekend on the air on v back in 2017 on Super Bowl weekend. So uh, it was always great to have Hank Goldberg on. He loved to talk about the 1970s Dolphins. Never stopped telling <laughs> stories about the Dolphins from 1970s. Uh, and he came out here to South Point one night and brought Bob Greasy with him and called me and said, hey, let's go to dinner at Michael's. With a uh, Bob Greasy, so that was pretty cool. But Hank hey, it seemed like he was dropping names, Chuck, but he knew basically everybody.
6: He did, Matt, and you're absolutely right, right, about that. He would always call me and say, Chucky, I just got off the phone with so and so or um <laughs> you know, but he did. He he knew all those guys. I think he was kind of a you know larger-than-life figure, especially in the, in the Miami sports world, and highly respected, and uh, I w- was able to watch that, that piece that Jeremy Shaq put together about him. It was phenomenal. I mean, it really kind of put into perspective uh, you know his, his tenure in the industry and, and what he meant and what he brought to it. But uh, he, he always had a winner he would tell me about, and he always knew somebody that was coming to town or was in town or he had just talked to, uh, but that was kind of the fun of being a close friend of the Hammers.
2: All right, Hank the Hammer Goldberg passed away yesterday, 82 years old, at his home in Las Vegas. Uh, JVT, let's talk uh, some NFL handicapping with uh, Chuck Esposito. Yeah, Chuck, so uh, over at Stations, I know that you guys have been
3: pretty busy here. Uh, I've got something in front of me. We're, we're looking at uh, <laughs> quite a few uh, offerings over at Stations. What did you guys decide to put up over the last couple of days when it came to the National Football League?
6: Yeah, I think, guys, we you know looked at it and with, with the NBA and NHL ending and really uh, – kind of just baseball going on right now, football not that far away, less than a month away from the Hall of Fame game with the Raiders and Jags. How could we kind of, you know, let's kick-start it. Let's start talking football. It's never too early uh, to start talking football. So we just started adding some props to it. I think the, the Trader team here did a Tremendous job of kind of putting all this stuff together. Uh, we all kind of gathered, decided to start, you know, moving some guys and teams up and down the boards based on what we thought and felt, and then put all these props up right now. And they've been getting, you know, really good interest. And we're looking at adding some more of this stuff in in the in the coming weeks. But uh, as I mentioned, guys, never too early to talk football. And even as preseason rolls around, and I know we've talked about it. Preseason handle on meaningless meaningless games. Where you don't even know who's playing, in many cases, dwarf that of key baseball games in teams that are that are jockeying and battling uh, for postseason position. I think it just speaks volumes of the power of football uh, once that season rolls around.
2: You know, I want to talk about these props you got up here. Most regular season receiving yards, Cooper Cup is the favorite, seven to one odds. Justin Jefferson of the Vikings, the second choice. How about Devonte Adams of the Raiders, the third choice, Chuck. Uh, at ten to one last season, Cooper Cup led the NFL in receiving yards. Devonte Adams was third, about 400 yards behind. Do you think Adams' I mean, numbers are going to decline with Derek Carr as his quarterback instead of Aaron Rodgers?
6: Well, I mean, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, and we know that you know he had a comfort level Matt, with with Adams. Um, I think you look at the offense that the Raiders have. If it's Waller at tight end, Jacobs out of the backfield, Renfro underneath. Um, This is the best offense that Carr's ever had. So I think there's still an opportunity for Adams to put up some some huge numbers. And they play in, I think, what's the toughest division in all of football. But you look at those four quarterbacks, and Mahomes, and and Herbert, and Russell Wilson, and Carr now. I think every one of those games, when they play each other, has the potential to be a huge shootout. So I think there's value with almost all the guys in the AFC West, uh, the top wideouts but I think a little bit of a drop-off without um, Rodgers, but I do think he's in a great situation with tremendous skill position players uh, around him this year, and a new coach in Josh McDaniels who may want to utilize that offense as be a way to beat teams because I think they still have a few question marks on the back end defensively, some maybe on the offensive line, but skill position player-wise, Raiders offense is awfully good.
3: So speaking of offense, I actually wanted to go to a market that you guys had hung up, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Chuck, and across the board, no matter where you look, Kenny Pickett's the favorite to win this award. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on where you're seeing this, because I see some guys who've got some pretty good quarterbacks at some pretty good odds, mainly Christian Watson, uh, Sky Moore. We're talking about 9, 14 to 1. Uh, for me, those are some guys that really stick out in the Offensive Rookie of the Year market. But what do you make of this and how you guys handle this market?
6: Yeah, you're right, JVT. I mean, we did think about Pickett, and he was the favorite. He's no longer the favorite. It's now Chris Olave. I think we looked at Pickett and of all the rookie quarterbacks, who had potentially the best chance to start. Um, you look last year at, at all the impact, or I shouldn't say impact, but but all the young quarterbacks that had an opportunity to play. And even though Mac Jones had a great year, Jamar Chase still beat him out. Um, I think you look at Olave now and that offense, if Jamison Winston is healthy, uh, if Michael Thomas is back, we know Camaro won't be there uh, probably for the first four to six games. Um, but, you, but you add up maybe a healthy Michael Thomas with Jarvis Landry and Callaway. And I think Chris Olave has a chance to be a big-time wideout uh, in that offense. So I think there's some value him. Him, I think with, with Garrett Wilson, with London uh, Watson I think from Green Bay is kind of a, a sneaky pick as well but over the last few years you've seen the emergence of a, a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase rookie wideouts that can make an immediate impact and I think we could see that with Chris Olave this year
2: Chuck, where do you stand on uh, on Mitch Trubisky and do you think he's going to win the job as a Steelers starting quarterback in week one or is it going to be Kenny Pickett, what do you, how do you think that uh, plays out?
6: I think it's Trubisky's to lose, Matt. I, I think that he he's going to get, be given every opportunity. Um, I think preseason and and camp will kind of prove if if it's if it they're going to give Pickett the shot or not. Um, I think initially they're going to start with Trubisky, but I think guys like you know Pickett, I think Matt Corral in Carolina, Desmond Ritter in in um, in Atlanta, all are going to be given opportunities this year to play and play rather quickly if the veteran quarterbacks they have in front of them don't produce.
3: Chuck Esposito, director of the Race and Sportsbook over at Red Rock Station. Red Rock, or Red Rock. Chuck, it's good to talk to you. Thank you very much for the time today. <laughs> All
6: right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
2: Just over at Red Rock yesterday, actually. That's how close your house. house. Chuck Esposito the and uh, Artman Terrace, who's a former station sportsbook director, the two guys in town who were really the closest with Hank Goldberg in his last few years here in Vegas. All
3: right. We'll take our break. We'll come back. We're not done with the National Football League by a long shot on today's edition of The Edge.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is The Edge on vSEN, the sports betting network.
2: All right, are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zen 10 challenge and switch up the way. You enjoy nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start's here. Take the Zen 10 Challenge today at zen.com slash 10. That's ZYN.com slash 10. Zen Nicotine Pouches are only for adults 21 and older who currently use tobacco or nicotine and a warning this product contains nicotine, which is an addictive chemical. Let's wrap up what we were talking about with Chuck Esposito, the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think Sky Moore of the Chiefs is a live 14-to-1 shot there on the stations board.
3: Yeah, and that's that's what I wanted to follow up on, and obviously we always say this, but it's very much worth pointing out. Uh, shop around, because yeah. you, we're talking about this. Chris Alave, for example, if you want to bet him, stations got him at 7-to-1. Other spots have him at 10-to-1. Uh, we talked about Sky Moore. Some, we were looking at 14-to-1 here at stations. Uh, he's offered at 9-to-1 in other spots, so that's why you want to shop around for these, especially yeah. because these are pretty subjective, and they're going to range. Like You'll see the similar names at the top, but for me, my strategy going into this, Matt, this is what I want to follow up on, like Christian Watson and Sky Moore both stick out to me not only because of a number, but because these are, these are two wide receivers on teams that are in dire need of a guy to kind of step up, emerge in that wide receiving core, mm-hmm. but have two really good quarterbacks throwing to them and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. I feel like those are two guys that have really good opportunities here in front of them. And when you're talking about 9-14-1 to win that award, I think that's a pretty good wager to make before the season starts.
2: I no question about it. The thing about Garrett Wilson of the Jets you don't know uh, he's got an unreliable quarterback thrown to him, right? And Zach Wilson, like he might be a really talented guy. He's very but how talented. How's that ball
3: getting to him? That's part very of the talented, equation. Very talented, but right? it
2: really didn't show last season. So I, I think I would have to go uh, with Christian Watson at around ten to one, or Sky Moore at around fourteen to one, just based on we know what type of quarterback play uh, those guys are going to get, and then they will elevate the level of play of a rookie wide receiver. Because they're that good. We're talking about, I was talking about this with John Murray uh, yesterday, actually. For some reason, we were talking about the value of wide receivers. And Devontae Adams and some other topics. Mm-hmm. Remember the game last year, Packers at Cardinals. I know you're going to remember the game on Monday night. Devontae Adams ruled out that the entire Packers wide receiver room had COVID. The market were freaks out. Yeah. Everybody's betting the Cardinals. Like touchdown, yeah. Yeah, the market moves. And what's Aaron Rodgers do? He leads the Packers to a convincing win with scrap heap wide receivers, right. and mm-hmm. that's part of the greatness of a quarterback like that. And that's why I think he could take a guy like Christian Watson and actually turn him into a star or close to it as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I love that draft pick by the Packers, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State.
3: Well, that's why I think too. On paper, go, the, uh, the Sky the, Moore was a great pick by the Chiefs. <laughs> think about those two teams on paper. If yeah. you look at their wide receiver depth charts, like it's actually not really. Good. We were talking about this just off mm-hmm. the air. The Rams. The Rams' wide receiver depth chart after Cooper Cup. You're like, what? <laughs> what is this that we're looking at here? Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why, like, if you have a good quarterback, you can make up the difference. Good wide receivers can change some things. Uh, but, you know, when I when I see certain names, too, at the top, you know, like Traylon Burks is like a second choice at DraftKings at 8-1. I'm like, eh. I'm not really sure from a talent and from the the guy who's getting the ball to him. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder up there, but you're right. And that's why I think guys like Moore and Watson are pretty tempting choices to win that because the guys that they have throwing the ball to them can make them better on top of them already being good prospects.
2: As far as Kenny Pickett goes, I I don't think he should be the favorite to be offensive rookie of the year. Sure, he was drafted in the first round, but Mitchell Trubisky – I think has got to be the favorite to win that job in week one. So how is Pickett going to be the favorite to be offensive rookie of the year if you think he's going to be sitting for at least the first month of the season? And I actually believe uh, Pittsburgh's got a better chance to win with Trubisky, at quarterback, than Kenny Pickett right away too. So Mm -hmm. it would be really surprising – if Mike Tomlin did not go with Trubisky as his starter to open the season. Yep. So worth pointing out with those, and there's plenty of other markets and plenty of time uh, as we dive
3: into a few of those things. So uh, with that, we go from there. We have best bets to get to before we get back to the National
2: Football League. What do you got? Uh, Just some golf plays here. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about these briefly, and I'll expand on them a little bit tomorrow. The Long Shot Show is going to be up on uh, vcin.com tonight. That's Brady Cannon and the Red Hot Wes Reynolds. It just keeps winning every week. Uh, the Scottish Open, which leads into the British Open the following week, I've got. I'm going to play one of the favorites, John Rahm at 12 to one. Uh, he's the best driver in the field this week, and I think uh, Rahm. If you know, anytime you get him at double digits on a course like this, where he should contend to win, I'm going to go ahead and play one of the favorites this week. Matt Fitzpatrick, U.S. Open winner at 20 to one. He lost in a playoff. In the Scottish Open a year ago. Will Zalatoris, uh, still, again, this kid's going to keep contending. He's resilient at 27 to 1. The odds are starting to, odds value is starting to disappear on Willie Z. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and play him again this week in the Scottish. So you got Rom at 12, Fitz at 20, Willie Z at 27. And my long shot here is Bobby Mack, Robert McIntyre, the highest ranked Scottish uh, player in the field. Jeff Davis of Circus Sports really likes. Uh, Robert McIntyre. And I do too. Actually, if uh, if you look at his history on this course, you would think he's got a pretty good shot to contend to win this week. And he's at eighty-five to one. Right now, it's circa eighty to one at the Westgate Superbook. And looking ahead a week to the British Open, I talked with Jeff Sherman at the Westgate Superbook and asked him what do you make what are you gonna make the price on Tiger Woods to make the cut? And if you watched the Pro Am event in Ireland that happened the last two days. And Xander Shoffley actually won that. Tiger did not play real well. He shot 77-74. I think he tied for 39th. Uh, he, he was hobbling a little bit. It was cold out there. And Tiger didn't seem to take to the conditions. But St. Andrews is his favorite course in the world. And he doesn't really have to get the driver out of the bag much. He can, he can focus and play to his strengths, which is the iron play, the short game, the putting. I'd be really surprised if Tiger... Doesn't play well next week. Now, I would never say at this point, bet Tiger to win. I, I know the Westgate's got an odds boost on Tiger at 100-1 to in the British. Don't bet him to win. Bet him to make the cut. I think right now at this stage, Tiger's wins are making the cut and being competitive. And that's what he's focusing on. And if if I can get Jeff Sherman's price, if he's going to put that up there, I'll take Tiger at plus 120 to make the cut in the British uh, next week because this is the type of course you know that he can really play well on. And don't forget, JVT, when you watch the Masters, when you watch the PGA, Tiger made the cut, but when he got to the weekend, those were hilly courses that yep. put a lot of stress on him physically, and he broke down. He wore down on the weekend. He was limping. This is not this could be a flat course. It's not going to be a problem for him to walk it. And I think after two months off, he should be in much better shape physically so I like the way things kind of set up for Tiger. Again, not to win, to make the cut at plus 120. Like it. All right. Anything else? Baseball, nothing? Uh, like I said, Marlins are my best bet in baseball tonight. That price is up a little high now at minus 145. And uh, who knows? I might end up playing the Pirates tonight, but that's not going to be a best
3: bet. All right. So, yeah, Marlins, forty five favorite over the Syndergaard and the Angels. All right, let's talk division now here, AFC East. And um, – don't have a lot of time to spend on it. We're bills, minus 250 favored to win the AFC East. Dolphins, second team, plus 475. These are courtesy of the South Point we're sitting right now. Five to one on the Patriots. Jets at 20 to one. Uh, I think it's in apt order. Not much difference between the Dolphins and the Patriots. Can I just say this? So last year, we slugged ourselves as the most pro-Patriots show um, on the network. Rode that bad boy into the postseason. Yeah, it worked out well for about three and a half months. Right. Uh, I got to tell you. The Patriots ran out of gas uh, at the end. I'm a little worried about the New England Patriots uh-huh. coming into this year. Uh, and I think when you look at them from a roster standpoint, one of the things that sticks out. Who's
2: the offensive coordinator?
3: Oh, well, I mean, yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what's going on with the quarterback's coach. But also, I mean, they have a pretty glaring weakness at corner. And as has been pointed out by many mm. analysts, including one of the most recent articles by Pro Football Focus, yep. uh, a team that runs a lot of man coverage having the biggest position of weakness be cornerback, I think is a little bit of a problem for this team. And it's not a dynamic offensive team at that either. I, I think. The Patriots seem like they're due for a pretty solid step back here as you move into next year.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to analyze this situation a little bit more in the preseason, but right now I'm definitely not as hot on the Patriots as I was a year ago.
3: Although Mac Jones is skinny again. or Mac now. Jones in the best shape of his life. I say again. I don't know if he
2: – Hank Goldberg's favorite team, the Miami Dolphins, one I want to talk about here for a couple minutes. Are you buying the hype? Tyreek Hill is hyping up Tua Ooh. at every opportunity. We saw – He thinks he not protest too much?
3: Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think he's talking a little too much.
2: We saw Tyreek uh, Hill on that odds board at Red Rock 14-1 to to lead the league in receiving yards. I don't think Tua is the type of quarterback you want to bet on uh, in, in terms of uh, Tyreek Hill leading the league in receiving. He's obviously trying to give Tua confidence. Right. But are you buying what he's selling when Tyreek's talking about Tua? No. <laughs> I think, no, not at this point. How about point. the I'm Dolphins as a team that could be better than last year's nine and eight? I'll say, I think their, their roster is awesome. I, I think across the board,
3: their roster is freaking great. But I just don't know what you're getting out of the most important position, which is quarterback. And if that's going to be the biggest, like, are they going to be maybe another nine-win team? Sure, they've got the talent. But I just don't know if two is the guy. I don't, I've seen little to nothing that proves that that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, right. The, like the people, don't know if it comes together.
2: You got a first-time head coach, too. The right. Mike McDaniel, and we don't know what he's going to be. Apparently, he's a pretty good play caller and a very smart offensive mind. But uh, a lot of questions surrounding the Miami Dolphins.
3: All right, we're all done. vison.com slash podcast where you want to go for any one of your favorite shows. Everything we have up on the website as well. Make sure you check out that summer special too. Only 19 bucks. We'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy my guys in the desert.